0: forgive me would not be possible without our generous parishioners we'd like to thank leanne egan for their seminar on young adult publishing for our youth group we have so many passionate young writers who greatly appreciated the focus on lgbt plus representation some parishioners may not approve of the content but frankly we don't give a shit become a part of our community over at patreon.com slash rogue dialogue
1: Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been over a year since my last confession.
3: Oh, Is this
1: really necessary? Do you want the donuts or not? I went 15 minutes out of my way to that bakery and had to sneak past a far too happy Joe Walters on my way out the door.
3: Alright, fine. A deal is a deal. Where are they?
1: Look outside your screen.
3: This is wonderful! Did you get, uh, yes! Ah, oh, classic glaze! My god, I'll never understand all these other new flavors people crave nowadays. All you need is a simple yeast glaze. No need for lemon hibiscus or avocado or whatever the hell else these highfalutin bake shops are doing to please the hipsters. Can we please start? Oh, oh, my apologies, father. I was just bonding with an old friend for the first time uh, since it tried to kill me. The sooner we
1: get going, the sooner you two can bond.
3: Mm. We're already right back where we left off. Thank you very much. Mm. All right, so what would you like to confess?
1: Well, a lot of things have been weighing on me lately. You, no, I can't believe it. I think, first of all, I'm just feeling off. Like I'm in a pretty dark place, about everything with regard to what I'm doing. What do you mean? I mean, I don't think living with you has helped much with my optimism about the clergy. (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh, you wound me, father.
1: Oh, please. I'm just saying that I wake up every day and go out attempting to do this job of offering help and emotional support to people. But when they do finally come to me for guidance, I find myself acting distant and transactional instead. Like, I'm trying, but something's missing. At this point, I'm honestly worried I'm doing more harm than good.
3: Um, I, I, I
1: don't get what you mean. Look, I don't really expect you to understand, but what I'm trying to say is that I'm performing when I counsel people, and I think it leads to my priestly wisdom being flat and useless.
3: Like that. Give me an example.
1: Uh, Okay, so take last month, for instance. I spoke to this engaged couple for pre-cana counseling before their upcoming wedding. They were both very anxious about specific aspects of the ceremony, and I started picking at that in the way that I do.
3: Oh god, What happened?
1: Well, that point in the conversation centered around who would serve the body and blood at mass. The husband's family is from out of town, and the wife, she's generational at St. Pat's.
3: Is that uh, Carl
1: Donaldson's granddaughter? You know I can't say. Huh? so it definitely was, then. No, it... All right, fine. You're right.
3: I knew it! What a nightmare little kid she was. It's great to hear she's getting married. But did you hear about Carl's romance? No, with who? Annie Carbon. Is that that Usher Steve's mom? Uh, they're one and only.
1: Good for Carl. Glad to hear that.
3: The way Margaret tells it, they've been sneaking off and necking in the church bathroom during your homilies at uh, 5 p.m. mass. Apparently, once her son started dragging her to a different service, she and Carl had to make it publicly official to keep the fire going. <laughs>
1: I guess I take comfort that my long sermons are good for something.
3: Oh, uh, sure. I suppose you could say that. I always thought they were fine for a nice catnap, but it's just me.
1: <sighs> Tell me you're not actually sleeping during services.
3: I'd rather not lie in here, son. Anyway, back to you telling me why you're such a bad person.
1: Right. So this couple, Jacob and Lizzie... There was clearly tension in the room about who would do the Eucharistic ministry. Jacob starts to explain how it means a lot to him that so much of his family is willing to fly in from Scotland to be at the ceremony, and most of them happen to be Catholic, so he thought maybe having them act as ministers would be a great gesture to make them feel welcome. Meanwhile, as you probably guessed... Lizzie responds about how important it is to honor her family who has been coming here for so long, and it would be an insult not to have them do it, given that they are actual Eucharistic ministers here.
3: And I bet you left it right there, didn't you? Well, no.
1: I did that whole thing I do where I start asking too many questions, picking at it, trying to figure out what this is all really about under the surface. To five
0: minutes later he's saying why is it my family who always has to fly here when would you finally make the trip to see my home and then she's saying my parents have always felt undervalued by you would it kill you to show them a little respect
1: and then they both wind up leaving the office in tears
0: maybe this was all just a big mistake then i can't do this right now i've got to get out of here.
2: Jacob, no.
1: Then, I don't hear from them for a while until finally getting an email from Lizzie a week later saying the wedding is postponed.
3: That's too bad for those kids.
1: I know. I feel just awful about it. They were laughing and excited walking in, and then after we talked for 30 minutes, their whole relationship was up in flames. When I signed up to be a conduit for God, I didn't expect to be out here smiting perfectly happy relationships.
3: And you honestly believed that? What? That those two twenty-whatevers walked into your office in perfect harmony, and after five minutes of your basic open-ended therapy questions, that you single-handedly changed the course of their relationship. I get that it's more nuanced than that, but when I'm the I one asking the question- I don't think it is. I think you're just being a bit of an idiot about it. Hey. What? You know I'm right.
1: Yeah, I get your point. The whole goal of counseling like that is to interrogate the relationship before completing the marriage sacrament. In the end, I was doing my job, even if it's a part of it I don't happen to like.
3: Uh, no. That wasn't my point. Then what was it? That you're not that important.
1: Yeah, alright. I get it.
3: No, 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 no. (sighs) <sighs> it's not like that. I mean, yes, you're also dramatic, self-important in Mr. Idealism, but I just mean you're doing your best to have small impacts in a positive way, which is how it's supposed to work. Your meeting represents one very little thing in these people's lives, and that's fine. Wow. thought
1: That was almost sincere advice coming from you.
3: Ah, uh, don't get used to it.
1: I don't think you'd let me.
3: So, are they done here? I told you my confessions are more efficient. I
1: don't know, I just feel like I didn't get to the heart of what I'm doing wrong.
3: (sighs) All right, I'm gonna eat another donut then.
1: Whatever, I just mean that, like I said earlier, I feel very distant from my actions, especially lately. Like I'm genuinely trying to help people, sure, but there's this cloud over everything and I don't feel like I'm living up to my vows.
3: It sounds like you said, Sad?
1: No, it's more complicated than an emotion. My role here, helping people, is being distorted because of something that's going- Because you're sad. I don't get what you're playing at.
3: Ben, I live with you in that house across the street and you expect me not to pick up on your mood? Trust me, I've tried to ignore you and sprint towards my own black hole of death, but I know moping when I see it.
1: This isn't moping, it- (laughs) I think I'm just not doing right by these people.
3: (sighs) Fine. What? We'll do it your way.
1: What does that mean?
3: It sounds very challenging what you're going through. Why do you think you feel so distant? Wait, are you role playing as me? It's clearly what you want. No, it's-
1: Look, I don't have anyone else to talk to about this stuff, all right? Can you just humor me for a second and stop trying to make me feel like a joke?
3: That's what I'm doing. Just answer
1: the question. Fine. I don't know. I just know with everyone I talk to, I'm genuinely trying to help. But on the inside, I feel further away from them. Like I I need to rely on being in a role for them to get through my own day.
3: When do you think it started? It's been a
1: while now, honestly, looking back I think, well, Christ, I mean, I do know when. Go on. A couple of months before you were released from the home, somebody came to visit me.
3: Hmm. Yeah. That, uh, reporter from catholicnews.com. Wait, how did you... <sighs> Margaret? Yes. Who else? I tried to look for the article to have a laugh, but figured you just came off as too progressive and they scrapped it.
1: That's not exactly how it went down. The person visiting wasn't really a reporter.
3: I see. Well, that makes a heck of a lot more sense. Plus, Margaret was almost positive the exact same woman came asking questions on behalf of a private investigator.
1: Yeah, that tracks.
3: Wait, this wasn't... the lady... It was. (gasps) And you brought her here in front of God and Margaret? I didn't
1: bring her. She found out where I was and wanted to hear directly from me about why I left.
3: Uh, Like a sheep in the night, right? It was quite a bit of gossip to get while I was still cooped up in the home. That jackass Father Antonio jumping on my condition to face his controversial little priest problem onto my lap.
1: Yeah, well, here we are. Anyway, I talked through everything with her and how leaving the Ministry for Love felt hollow, but even as I explained it to her, standing in a room face-to-face with her again, I realized I wasn't sure what I'd done was right, and even saying my reasoning out loud to her felt...
3: weak. And I assume it was a great conversation about your noble ideals.
1: It wasn't like that. I was honest about how much of a strange, selfish decision doing this job is, but that I couldn't just leave it behind.
3: Oh now that had to go over well.
1: Yeah, not exactly.
3: So, you have this conversation, and since then you've felt uh, distant while doing your job. What about the rest of the time? What do you mean? Like, outside of work. How are you doing?
1: I'm a priest. What outside
3: of work? Come on, Ben. You can't be serious, Mitad. Just because you
1: decided to walk away from caring about this doesn't mean I have to.
3: Oh, Give me a break, you emotional boy. You know what I mean. You're not doing your job when you're buying groceries or taking a shit.
1: You're being a little binary here, and frankly, yes, I am doing my job at the grocery store. Do you know how many members of our parish I run into every time I go to Gregman's?
3: My only point is that you're allowed to have interest and care about things and just be a goddamn person in the world, outside of your little crusade in the cloth.
1: I don't think it's that simple. There's more to it than you make it
3: seem. It is, though, yes. You're still a person. And I even see you being a person all the time. I'm often surprised by how hard you make it look, but you're pulling it off, I promise.
1: Look, I get what you're saying, but there's more t- But now? Sorry, I just had a bit of deja vu with how basically all of my confessions go. People believing their situation is too nuanced to possibly be penned in by a single confession. So,
3: alright, no
1: buts. I see your point.
3: Well, about time. So then, uh, what's going on with you uh, not as a priest?
1: I've been similarly foggy, I think, just going through my day. (sighs) No, that's bullshit. Look, I've been thinking about that conversation with Olivia in most of my idle moments. I go to work and do this job and it's numbing and I put on this collar and it's fine for a bit because it's something to do to pass the time. I come back to our place and I watch Jeopardy and This Is Us with you on the couch and that's fine too. Frankly, having you around has been nice, because you're such a relentless ass, it actually gives me something to get frustrated at, aside from myself.
3: I'm glad I could help.
1: I'm sure you are.
3: What do you feel, then? Uh, guilt?
1: No. Well, I mean, yes, but more so, it's shame. I play that conversation back in my head, and then the decisions that led to it. I don't know too painful to focus on but it's playing constantly and in any moment there's nothing else going on and I don't have anything to distract me there it is
3: I'm sorry kid sounds like you're carrying a heavy load at the moment
1: I drive by it sometimes there the PI office
3: Ben you really shouldn't be doing that I know I know I'm not
1: doing it really i just took a wrong turn on my way home from the store a couple of months ago and i happened to notice it out of the corner of my eye
3: what and uh, you stopped
1: jesus no i kept driving but i've just been (sighs) i've taken that route home ever since honestly i don't let the thought about it even get into the front of my mind i just find myself driving past wondering if i'll see her
3: Hmm. Have you?
1: Never. I saw her car parked out front a few times, though.
3: What are you hoping happens? I don't know. Nothing. I just... I don't know. Son, you've dealt with enough dumbass men in this profession to know that's an ugly road to start down. I... Yeah...
1: You're right, now that I hear myself say it out loud, I'm a complete idiot.
3: <sighs> Benjamin, you just have to come up for air. Did you mess up? Yes. Are you totally moved on from that? Clearly not. But you know what? I absolve you on behalf of your distant imaginary god.
1: Wow, I was not expecting that from you.
3: This is a confession, isn't it? Am I in the wrong box? No, this is the place. Well, there you are, absolved by God from this sin. I did the sign of the cross and everything. So, now you have to ask yourself a new question. What's that? What the hell do you want to do with your life? I mean,
1: I think I made that pretty clear when I took my vows.
3: Oh, yeah. Nothing more normal than letting the decision of your 25-year-old self determine the rest of your life. We just talked about this whole part of yourself that you've been neglecting because you can't see past the court. If you can't be a priest and take care of yourself, maybe you're right. What's that uh, thing on the airplanes? Put the breathing mask over your own mulch before you try and help others?
1: What are you suggesting?
3: There's a whole lot to do outside this church, this horrible little town. Maybe some of your original impulses were the right ones for you. You're saying you think...
1: I should see if Olivia still wants to run away together.
3: What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. No. Oh, Oh, no, you idiot. Oh, you sweet, stupid boy. No. How did you get there from what I was saying? Oh, my God. I just meant pursuing a different path. But you know what? Never mind this priest predate is over come
1: on clem i feel like we were just about to get somewhere
3: nope i absolved your sins and i'm completely out of donuts nothing left for me to do here clem are you coming there's a new competition show on fox i don't want to miss all right fine
1: what's the competition show
3: uh, just a bunch of celebrities from uh, around the world playing hide-and-go-seek with Jane Lynch.
1: Oh, I bet she's very perceptive.
3: I know, but she's such a big personality. I feel like Rita Moreno will hear her coming a dance away out of this scenario. <laughs>
1: Fair point.
0: is a Rogue Dialogue production. This episode was written and directed by... Jack Marone. And... Bob Ramunda. Here's our cast in order of appearance. Casey Callahan. Father Ben. Josh Urbino. Father Krem. David Pello. Jacob. Julia
1: Schaffini. Lizzie.
0: Script editing by... Jordan Stillman. Dialogue editing by... Bob Ramunda. Sound design, score, and mixing by me, Adam Ramunda. All of our graphic design comes from... Sam Twardy. Find out what we're up to between seasons by following at Forgive Me Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Did you like the show? If you did, go follow it on your favorite podcast player. If you really enjoyed it, rate it and review it on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts. This podcast is made possible by our very generous supporters on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you can get access to an ad-free feed, director's notes for each episode, music from the show, and shout-outs at the top of an episode. Join up today and send us a fun fact to hear your name in a future release. That marks the end of Forgive Me Season 2. We cannot thank you all enough for continuing to go on this journey with us. We couldn't keep doing this without all of your love and support. You'll be happy to know that we are already deep into writing Season 3 and are so excited to come back next year, bigger and better than ever. That's all for now, but keep an eye on this feed for some other special releases in the meantime. See you soon. Bye. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
2: If you love actual plays, D&D, Hades, or Greek mythology and improv, be sure to check out Rogue Runners, Volume 1 in the Blood to follow the adventures of Alexander the Great, King of Macedon, and Drunk Paladin. Oh, sorry. I guess now I'm... Alexander the Grump. Rolf, part time sorcerer, full time boomer. Is it a sex
0: thing? It was a sex thing!
2: Arete, stealthy rogue and even thirstier mobster. Mm, Have you bathed and brought to my tent? And Annie, legendary bard and chocolate milk fanatic. Together, these four wretched shades will battle their way out of hell for another chance at life, with a little help and hindrance from gods and monsters alike. Word of advice when you're opening up these things, you're supposed to say, Olympus, I accept this message, in some really serious voice. Take your place among the living again. Your tactics are adept, if too elegant for my tastes. My dear, saying no is never a crime. You hit like a philistine. You're not getting out of here alive, wretches. A pinky promise? A double pinky promise. When you die, you'll have to tell me all about it. Rogue Runners, an actual play audio drama made during the pandemic, all while maintaining proper social distancing. And I'll follow at a six-foot distance. How about a five-foot distance for D&D purposes? Sure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs)